Are we ready? All right. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Bill Ulaveri, and I am the owner of Seneca Capital Management. We're a investment advisory firm, and we are way have gone way down the rabbit hole when it comes to Bitcoin and blockchain uh, technology. Absolutely fascinating technology. And so today, we are going to discuss how to buy Bitcoin. Now, this is going to be, in my opinion, probably the most difficult of the four episodes that we've given uh, the, in the series. Why is that? Now, listen, I don't want anybody to be discouraged. I know we're talking about concepts, frankly, that are new, and we use old words to find and use as a simile to new technology. But back in the 90s, I'm going to tell you why I don't want you to get discouraged. Because back in the 1990s, uh, my mom was in her 70s. And I said, hey, mom, I, I would really like you to get an email account. She said, an e email account? What's that? I go, it's this thing at AOL. And you log in with the computer, and I can send you a letter instead of putting it through the post office. She said, send me a letter. That's really interesting. And how does that work? Does like the letter go through the wires? I'm like, no, mom, it's... It's an electronic account. And I, I type the letter electronically and I hit send and it just magically shows up in your mailbox using the internet. And she said, well, what's the advantage to, to email? I go, well, it's so much faster than just sending a regular letter, you know, writing a letter, putting it in an envelope, addressing it, putting a stamp on it, giving it to the mailman. And then my mom said, well, what do you have to say to me that's so important that it has to arrive instantly that like a few days can't wait. And so I was like, oh, forget it, mom. You know, you're behind the curve. I look over here at the corner and their video recorder, the VCR is still flashing zeros, you know, on the time. Like my dad never changed the time clock in the VCR. So I really couldn't expect that much from my mom or my dad when it came to new technology. But then a couple of years later, about 10 years later, my mom got an iPad, an Apple iPad. And by this time, she was feeling more comfortable with the internet and streaming services and movies. And she actually asked me to configure her laptop or her tablet, I should say, to be able to FaceTime her grandkids. So here she is in 2016, 2018, on a treadmill or a recumbent bike, FaceTiming my kids on a tablet. All these things didn't exist when we had that conversation in the 1990s. So sometimes you just got to give it time and feel comfortable. And that's what Financial Literacy First is all about, is again, to increase our education, increase our exposure to new asset classes and things. And so today we're going to talk about how to buy Bitcoin. And I just also want to say, as an investment advisor, this particular presentation is for informational and, educu and educational use only. I did not run it past the third-party compliance officer. I'm a small um, investment advisory firm. We're a niche you know, firm. And I pretty much put on my compliance hat and my presentation hat when I create these slides. So again, with cryptocurrency, past performance is no guarantee of future success. And that goes with stocks and bonds and every kind of investment, real estate that you can imagine. So I just want you guys to know that while I am, I cannot be objective with Bitcoin and blockchain technology, just like I can't be objective with artificial intelligence, AI. I mean, it's moving at lightning speeds and it's going to be the future. It is the future and it's happening now. And things seem to expand and mature so much faster than the past. But I just want you to know that you guys have to assume your own risk when it comes to cryptocurrency and every kind of investment. So having gotten that out of the way, let me get my mouse pointer over here, how to buy Bitcoin. 
So there's basic, th basically three ways to buy Bitcoin. One is through, I'm, I'm going to focus on the Coinbase Global app, which is something you can download from the Google Play Store or the Apple iTunes Store. It's an app that you can download on your phone and it connects your bank account with the network of Bitcoin and blockchain and other technologies. And it looks like this. I don't know if you guys can see that on my phone. So it's a, it's a very simple app to download. And it's the most popular app out there. I, I, I think that there's over 100 million users that are currently using the Coinbase app, if I'm not mistaken. And Coinbase Global is going around the world with this. The second way of buying Bitcoin is using an old-fashioned ATM machine. There are new machines that have come out in the last 10 years that allow you to walk into a gas station or a 7-Eleven or your shopping mall. And as long as you have the proper software downloaded on your phone, you can feed in $100 bills or $50 bills, 20s. And with a little bit of configuring, you just hold your phone where the money used to come out. And there's like a red barcode scanner, like you see at a grocery store when they scan your, they scan your items. Boop, boop, right? You see that little red laser beam come out. The red laser beam will read a QR code, read a code on your phone, and then it sends you the Bitcoin into your phone. Actually, what it does is it updates the global network that your phone connects to in order to show the new balance of Bitcoin on your phone. And the third way to buy Bitcoin is using an exchange-traded fund, which is kind of like a mutual fund. Mutual funds are uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission, I believe, would call them an investment scheme, but they don't use the word scheme like in a bad way. They use it as it's a way of people are pooling money together in order to invest. Vanguard funds, Fidelity, Schwab. I mean, everybody has mutual funds. You know, Newberger, Berman, and there are hundreds, if not thousands, of mutual fund companies, just as there are hundreds of exchange-traded fund companies. The beauty of exchange-traded funds is that they have a lower regulatory cost. They're transparent, and you can buy and sell them intraday. But a mutual fund has a different regulatory framework because they pool everybody's assets together. And there's more uh, legal and regulatory infrastructure behind it. So they're generally more expensive, but not always. And they're not as tax efficient as exchange-traded funds. And maybe that's a, you know, a class we can have uh, next year if you guys want on the difference between mutual funds and, and uh, exchange-traded funds. But also just let you know, I mean, if you guys have any questions about this or any of the other presentations, Connect with Jesse and she'll give you my contact information. I'll be happy to answer any of, your, any of your questions. So this is what you can expect from using the Coinbase Global app. I first suggest that you do it on a desktop computer that you know is safe. There's no malware. There's no antivirus. I mean, there's antivirus software on there. It's like a clean computer. Don't do it in a Starbucks. Don't do it at a local coffee shop. Don't be on an unsecure Wi-Fi. Like make sure you have security issues that you're aware of because you don't want your username and password to be intercepted on the Wi-Fi. There are people, frankly, that have these little devices. I think it's quite called the pineapple. And it actually reads your Wi-Fi. You're, as you're typing a keyboard, it goes to the Wi-Fi router somewhere at the store, and they can sniff out these packets of information and potentially intercept your username and password as you're setting it up. So I always recommend to people, thank you, uh, Greg, for asking that question. He wanted to, to know why. And this goes with any kind of high value security thing. 
You don't want to log into your bank account information. You don't want to log into your credit card information. You don't want to put anything sensitive in a public Wi-Fi space because you are at risk for or a hotel, like the worst place um, where the where the security is low and it's a public um, public access. It's just not a security feature that we want to talk about uh, at this time. But use the use a desktop computer, and you're going to sign up. You can see in the upper right-hand corner, you're going to sign up because the future of money is here. 108 million people trust Coinbase to buy and sell and manage cryptocurrency. Now, these are companies with point-of-sale systems at the front counter. It's companies behind the back scenes that are building APIs and computer connections between banks and other companies. There are probably 20 different business silos inside Coinbase that I absolutely love, and, and that's a, another conversation for a different day. But these are the things you're going to need, right? I'm trying to, I'm giving you the the cliff notes, right? The shortcut of to to do this, and that is, you're going to need a. Ultimately, you're going to need a smartphone or a desktop computer with, with a good internet connection. Okay, you're going to need access to or your personal email account because that's just the way it is. If whether you're setting up an account on Facebook or Twitter, Bank of America, Chase, the way things move these days is you need to have uh, an email. That's just the way it is. When you open up an account on Coinbase, or actually any cryptocurrency exchange, but let's just focus on Coinbase because the rules pretty much carry over. And that is you're going to need a crisp, clear photograph of a driver's license or a state ID. And with if you, if you use Coinbase with your phone, you have an option of either taking a selfie, you know, taking a selfie to send them your picture, or... You can use the camera of your phone and take a picture of the front and the back of um, the front and the back of your driver's license. Have good lighting, have a really clean, clean photograph. And one more thing, you know, when you're looking at um, Coinbase and it's asking you to scan your driver's license or any of your identification or to take your selfie, they have this really thin outline. It's like this little white line that looks like a box. Make sure you complete and fill up that box as much as possible. Because sometimes my first six attempts at opening up a Coinbase account was I was too far away and my face was too small inside the frame, like the picture frame. And then I got too close and it was outside the frame. It was rejected every single time. So when you're taking your pictures of your IDs, of your driver's license, et cetera, have, a clean, have good lighting, a clean phone, and make sure you fill up that whole box. You want to have your bank account information. In other words, your bank name, your checking account, and what's called the routing number, which is a nine-digit code that identifies how money moves between banks and the financial system. And you're going to need a little bit of patience. Like, don't hurry to do this. Don't, um, don't crack open a bottle of wine or have your favorite IPA beer when you're doing this because you're going to make a mistake, guaranteed. Um, Greg also had posted in the chat room that there's a $200 prom, uh, promotion going on with Coinbase. That's awesome. I, I did not see that when I logged in. Usually it's if you open up an account and buy or sell Bitcoin, um, if I give you a referral code, I get $10 and Greg would, or the, you, the user would get an extra $10. So I'll have to check that out. I'm not quite sure why $200 promo is so high. That must be, there must be another incentive in there. Like if you were to open up an account and trade $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in the course of a year, or I mean, of course, of a month or any other cryptocurrency, you might get that credit, but I'm not sure. I'm gonna, I'll check that out. So smartphone or desktop computer, access to your email, 
a crisp, clear photograph and good lighting, bank account information, driver's license, state ID, and some patience. Now, if you sign up with Coinbase using my link, we each get $10 in Bitcoin. If you want to do it, that's fine. If not, that's okay too. But I would just, uh, this presentation will be emailed out to everybody. And so if you wanted to send me 10 bucks, you know, that's fine. I don't, I don't really care, but just make it easy for yourself. Secondly, you're going to receive a, a text message. This text message is going to come in one of two ways. For newbies, for people just starting out, it's going to come in a traditional text message from your cell phone company. But what I've done over here is I have enabled a different way of receiving the authentication code. This comes from Google Authenticator. So what happened over the course of the last few years, over the last few years, and that is hacking and cybersecurity hacks and social manipulation of your cell phone provider. So say, for example, I see a guy named Chris, uh, or that's a person, that Chris, in the chat room. If I knew Chris was a Verizon owner or a T user, and I was a nefarious bad actor. I would pick up the phone and I'd say, oh my gosh, I just got into a car accident and my phone is broken. And I just happened to had a car accident in front of the Sprint store. And could you please change the ownership of this phone over to this new phone that I have over here? And I'm really exaggerating poorly, but they use social pressure and peer pressure and a really good script to sound legit to the service customer on the, at the cell phone company. To, it's called porting over your SIM card. They take the SIM card that connects your phone and send it somewhere else to a bad actor. And the bad actor, once they have access to your phone, they can send themselves the SMS text message. But if you have a third-party application like Google Authenticator, then you avoid the risk of the SMS, SMS text message coming through your phone and a bad actor actually getting it. So you guys can do some Google research if you want down the road. And that is how this social engineering and cyber hacking works. But they basically manipulate and prey on the fears of a customer service agent who doesn't want to have a bad reputation for helping you out. So they'll just switch and change ownership of your cell phone to a complete stranger as long as they like sounds like a good story. So I would call this intermediate level security. It's okay, to re it's okay to start receiving SMS text messages, but as you become more familiar, you're going to want to download a different security feature for your phone. And actually, my bank and Fidelity and other companies, you know, QuickBooks, they all ask you for third-party uh, authentication code, or they ask you for a text message from your phone. So there you go. Once you get your account set up, Sometimes it takes an hour. Sometimes it takes 25 minutes. Sometimes it takes a day in order to get verified. But the verification process of Coinbase has gotten way easier and it's way more streamlined. But honestly, it's all done electronically. Uh, Greg asked a question is, do VPNs help with security on this? I would say yes, but I would also caution you and that is, when you use a VPN, sometimes your geographic location is different than what your state ID or your driver's license might say. So if you just click on and just do like an auto select of a VPN and the server is in Switzerland, but you're opening up an account in Colorado, you're going to get flagged as it's a scam, right? And so 
Yeah, I like VPNs. I don't use them very much. I understand how they work philosophically and I understand the security behind it. And that's up to you. But there's also another issue that we can talk about with VPNs. And Greg, remind me at the end of this class because I don't want to get bogged down in this. But a VPN is a virtual private network. It's, it gives you security because you know um, you're encrypting your conversation between yourself and the server and then the server, the way it connects to the internet. So VPNs do provide an additional layer of security, but let's let's not get in, involved with that just yet. So again, you open up an account, you, you have to fill in your driver's license, your state ID, all the other information, connect your bank account to it, hit send. Again, you're gonna be needing verifications. It will send you an email and, and ask you, did you open up an account at Coinbase? And you hit yes. And it says, we're sending you an SMX test message of six digit code. And then your phone buzzes and you have to disable or you have to minimize the window on your phone, open up your SMS text message, remember a six digit number, go back to the email and type in that number. And I'm telling you, they give you like 30 seconds to do this. So you gotta be ready, all right? So you can't have your phone go to sleep too quickly. Otherwise you're never gonna get this done. But again, this is not so much an issue when you're doing it on a desktop computer, it's more of you just doing it on the cell phone. So, okay, let's assume now that your account is open. You've been verified. Coinbase is a SEC regulated company, which means they do two things. They have to check what's called KYC, know your client. And they have something called AML, anti-money laundering rules that they have to follow. This is why it's super important for them to verify your identity and make sure they know who you are because they're checking, uh, they're, by law, they have to check to make sure that you are who you say you are. So let's now assume that your account is opened, an hour went by, you've been verified, you can log in with an SMX test message and you can begin buying and selling cryptocurrency. So what you have to do is you have to choose the coin and you choose the coin by... I always suggest that people do a little bit of Bitcoin first. That's like the S&P 500. That is like the Dow Jones industrial of cryptocurrencies. It's usually the first one anybody buys. But Coinbase actually has about 150 tokens available on their platform. Just like Fidelity or Schwab might have 14,000 mutual funds or 5,000 exchange traded funds. This is just the way of the world these days. So I suggest that you buy just a little bit of Bitcoin first. And when you click on purchase Bitcoin, when you click when you click on the actual symbol, you're gonna to wanna to buy it. It will ask you, how much do you wanna buy? And this is where connecting to your checking account is really important because you're gonna be making an old fashioned, old school ACH, right? Automatic clearinghouse at the uh, ACH from your bank at BMO Harris or Chase Bank, JP Morgan. It's gonna connect this app with your checking account. And you can put in $10, $100, whatever you feel comfortable with. But again, if you can see in the, in the middle part of your section here, there's different ways you can buy this. You can make a one-time purchase. Say you just, you just won a little money at a poker game, or maybe you bet on the bears, or you know, you have a, you're flush with cash from it being the end of the month. You can buy Bitcoin with a one-time purchase, or just like stocks and mutual funds, you can do dollar cost averaging. Think of it as a dividend reinvestment platform, kind of, right? So what it's doing is you can schedule, auto schedule, you can buy Bitcoin every single day, a certain amount, 
You can buy it once a week on you know Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, whatever day you want. You can buy it twice a month on the first or the fifteenth, or you can just do dollar cost averaging on a monthly basis. Coinbase makes it really, really, really simple for the average person to begin dollar cost averaging cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's uh, Ethereum. Michelle posted in the chat room, what's your opinion of XRP? I think it's amazing. Do a, re do a Google search for the Ripple Labs, Ripple Labs, and watch how the SWIFT banking system takes hours, days, weeks to transfer money globally, where XRP does it within two or three seconds anywhere in the world. XRP is, is an amazing technology. And I do like it because the word, the, the letters XRP, X means something. X means it's a computer protocol that everybody agrees to. XRP, XDC, XLM. Uh, there's a few of the ones I can't remember off the top of my head that begin with X. And usually what that means, Michelle, and that is, you know, when we buy a car or we buy furniture or you have an airplane, there are engineering standards called ISO 9000. This is the uh, International Society of Engineers. I mean, somebody help me out with that one. Put it in the chat room, what, what ISO stands for. But it's an organization that provides global standardization. That's why a set of wheels, um, that's why a... Um, ISO is also a film speed. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. That was a good one. But the reason why like valves and oil and tires and brake pads and all these things with cars are always interchangeable with other cars, right? It's because of the ISO 9000 standards. And cryptocurrency also has an ISO 9000 like standard. I think it's ISO 2022, wait, 20, 202022. It's like the 20- 2022. And this is what the Fed now system is basically using that's going to be coming online in, Jul in July for the first time in history. Now, mind you, Bitcoin and blockchain was doing this 12 years ago. The Federal Reserve finally said, hey, we need to figure out a way of sending money, not just Monday through Friday from nine to four, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. And that's coming online in July. So anyhow, choose how you want to buy your Bitcoin. Choose how you want to buy your Ethereum. And again, you can either invest it weekly and you can turn on this little knob here, this little notification. It's going to come out of your US dollar part of your wallet. Here's the Coinbase fee. Like everybody charges a fee. I'm sorry, but you can't go anywhere without paying the piper somehow. And this is your total purchase. So usually what happens is you'll see a, a charge on your checking account for $10.99. So the 99 cents pays the fee. The $10 ends up in your wallet. And then you hit buy now, boop. You click one button, your phone takes about a second or two, if, depending on your internet connection, and then you'll receive a success message. The success, success message will show up on your phone and you'll also receive an email saying that your purchase for $10 of XRP or $100 of Coinbase uh, has been processed. It's as simple as that. It takes a little while to get set up, but honestly, buying cryptocurrency, it's as easy now as buying a cup of coffee on Starbucks. It's as, it's as easy or easier than buying and getting, getting an Uber car to your location. It's the easiest thing ever. And honestly, this is one of the things that's going to disrupt our financial system. 
is that if you're in your 30s, 35, 40 years old, you're probably not even going into a bank location anymore. You're not bringing a check in to deposit. You're not bringing, you don't have a, a business that takes coins and you're having the teller behind the counter coin them up, you know, count them up in a machine. Remember that ching, 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 that machine? They would count all your coins. Not, not too many people are doing that anymore. Everything's done online. I text, stay connected with my family. Um, I'm seeing what's going on on Twitter. I'm watching the news, buying at Fidelity, selling on Fidelity, checking my 401k balance. My gosh, everything is done with, um, with smartphones now. And the banks have to catch up. That, and that's part of the problem with these banking crises that we've been hearing about is that they're way too, way too far behind the curve. Um, and they're not prepared for this, literally a financial revolution that's going on before our eyes. Number two, if you want to buy money, if you want to buy Bitcoin, you can buy it from an ATM machine. What you will need, you are going to need a wallet on your phone to put it in, right? To identify you. You're going to, again, have to have your SMS text messages uh, enabled. And you may need a cash or a debit card. Uh, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever used a debit card with an ATM machine that I bought Bitcoin. I think I just, you know, had a little extra cash laying around and just fed it with a couple of 20s just to, to check it out. And you're going to need a Coinbase wallet. All right. I, again, I, if you guys want to use something other than Coinbase, go ahead. I'm just saying it's a, it's a great platform and it's a good place to get started. Moon is another wallet to receive Bitcoin because there has to be some place for it to send it. And remember, when I'm saying sending it, you're not really receiving it. You're not receiving a physical good. It's just a database is being updated with your name on it, with your address and your identification that says you own $10 of Bitcoin in this global Excel spreadsheet that everybody's keeping track of. So again, I don't want to get too bogged down in the, in the technology, but an ATM machine is an, an excellent way of buying Bitcoin. Very popular. Now, this is what you can expect. These are the cheat sheets that I'm giving you here. And I don't want you to be discouraged because it's all okay. It's all good. When you use an ATM machine, this is what you can expect. I think you can expect a little higher elevated pressure and anxiety when you're standing in front of a gas station or at a 7-Eleven or in a shopping mall where there's people walking back and forth and they're looking at you and they're like, why is this guy buying what is that? He's buying Bitcoin out of this bright yellow ATM machine in front of the Apple store or in front of a shoe store. I mean, uh, at, the local, at the local shopping mall that we have here in the Chicago area, the ATM machine was near the food court. So my gosh, you talk about traffic walking behind your back. I mean, I'm, I went through like a, I went through, I was sweating bullets because I was so nervous that I was going to get ripped off. And I didn't even, I wasn't even buying that much. It was just like, I felt like I was doing something wrong and illegal, but I wasn't. It's just the way I felt. So you're not going to have, uh, you're going to have less privacy. There's high foot tra traffic walking behind you and in front of you. And it's just a little bit more of a nerve wracking experience, I'll be honest with you, than doing it in the comfort of your own home. And actually, here's another story. About a year ago, uh, maybe it was two years ago, when the war in between Russia and Ukraine broke out, I was asked to do a quick five minute interview on WBBM Noon Business Hour, which is like a, a one-hour show dedicated to finance and investing here in Chicago. And I think they broadcast, you know, coast-to-coast. Uh, -coast. You can also listen to it on Odyssey, which is a, an app. But while I was on hold, 
I was looking up what was going on in Ukraine, and I noticed that they had something called the, the Ministry of Digital Transformation on the Ukraine website. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're telling me that I can make a cryptocurrency donation to the war effort in Ukraine? And so while I was on hold, and I'm in the queue ready to go on, I take my phone and I scan the QR code of Ukraine, and I send them like a $10 donation while I'm on hold, right? Normally, you can't do that. It would take months to make a donation to Ukraine, if you could even do it. I mean, we've been doing business with the, with the UK since at least 1776, and it takes me a month to get a wire transfer from London. So here I am waiting in line with like 12 seconds left to go, and I can make a donation in Ukraine. And honestly, I'm not even sure if I could find Ukraine on a map, but it doesn't matter. This is the world of finance. This is the world of technology, and you're sending money as quickly as you send a text message. So also when you're at an ATM machine, there's the fees are a little bit higher because when you buy your Bitcoin, the ATM operator has to make money just like the bank makes money. I take out $10, they charge me $2. If I take out $100, the bank charges me two bucks. So the more I take out, the fee stays roughly the same. But if I only take a small feed, I mean, when I only take a small, um, when I take a small draw out of my checking account, the, you know, the $2 fee or the $5 fee can represent a large percentage of what I'm taking out. And so with Bitcoin, listen, it is new. There's, there's back end over here. There's technology that needs to be paid for. So you will pay a slightly higher fee, somewhere between 6 and 8%. And again, it's the pressure that you're going to put on yourself for moving quickly and verifying everything that I, I don't recommend. So when you feel comfortable with this stuff, go ahead and buy it from an ATM machine. So Michelle has a question. When you install the Bitcoin app and create an account to purchase coins, is that also a wallet or is that a different app? No, it is. It's the same app, Michelle. So again, it's going to take you a little bit of time to become comfortable with the Coinbase app. But what you can do is when uh, I'm bringing up my Coinbase app right now. So say, for example, I want to buy Bitcoin. So I want to trade. I hit Bitcoin. I hit trade. And I want to, so I, I want to hit trade on Bitcoin. Then I scroll up a little bit. Oops. I scroll up. And when I hit, when I hit Bitcoin again, I push the Bitcoin button. In the upper right-hand corner, you're going to see a little place for a QR code. When I click on that little QR code, it's going to permit me, it's going to show my Bitcoin address. And this is public information. Like you can't take my Bitcoin away from me with this. But when you walk up to the ATM machine, Remember I told you it scans your phone like it scans asparagus or fruit at the grocery store? You're going to hold this QR code in front of where the money comes out because it's, there's no money. It's a laser beam. And it reads this code and then it sends and updates the ledger and lets you know that you've got it over here on Coinbase. Does that make sense? So you're going to receive Bitcoin using that, upper, that QR code in the upper right-hand corner. And again, it takes a little bit of time to find it because it's so small. And actually, if you want to know the truth, if you were doing this at home, you could print your QR code on a piece of paper, take it with you to the ATM machine. And when it asks you to scan your QR code, you could theoretically just hold that little QR code in front of the laser beam and, and, and it will be good enough. Like it can't tell the difference between a phone and your piece of paper. But also know that um, you're still going to need your phone to accept it using an SMS text message. Okay. ATM machine, what can you expect? 
there are maybe 1,500 to 1,800 ATMs in the United States. They're all over the place at major cities, major places. So finding one isn't that hard, to be honest with you. This is just in the United States. If you go to Bitcoin.com, you'll see the global picture of all the Bitcoin ATM machines globally. So you can actually buy and sell Bitcoin anywhere in the globe um, using your phone, using Coinbase. Here is a picture that displays the Bitcoin ATMs that are in Colorado. For those of you that are located, um, you know, in the, well, anywhere in Colorado. And so I, this is really interesting because there's one of three ways you can do it. You can go to a Bitcoin machine and buy it. You can also go to a currency exchange. And sometimes the currency exchange, the woman or the person behind the counter, you give them cash, they send you Bitcoin and they do it like a Starbucks transaction where you just hold your phone up to a reader and it, it sends you the Bitcoin. So you either can operate with a teller or you can do it automatically in between the two double doors. You know, like we've always, you scan your card, you get into the first part of the lobby and you can buy your Bitcoin that way. So again, they're trying to make it as easy as possible. I'm not saying that Bitcoin ATMs are new. Uh, they are probably, I'm guessing five years old, six years old. I did some consulting for a company called Athena Bitcoin. They were one of the first companies that produced and um, installed Bitcoin ATMs and like 7-Elevens and grocery stores because they had all this vacant space. They had a big corner where they were just storing pop and Athena would go in and say, hey, you see where you're storing all your Kleenex and your pop? Like we can put a machine over there and we'll pay you 400 bucks a month. And the business owners were like, go ahead and do it. So Bitcoin ATM machines are becoming more and more popular. As a matter of fact, in California, they had a massive fintech financial technology trade show dedicated just to ATM machines. And there's not just one company, there are dozens and dozens of companies. And Athena Bitcoin, the company I did consulting for, they actually were the company that installed the um, Bitcoin ATM machines and the wallets and the point of sale box in El Salvador. So about two years ago, there was a huge um, press release, a huge announcement that El Salvador is now accepting Bitcoin. Athena Bitcoin was the company that did that. And so they've got incredible resources. They're really smart and they run clean and, and thin in terms of personnel. Um, so I would expect that their fees would probably be a little bit cheaper than other companies, but I don't know for sure. I haven't, I haven't bought from them in a while. What you can expect. This is kind of what like a Bitcoin ATM looks like. You can see that they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. The one that I'm most familiar with is the one on the far right here. This is where you put in a, um, and you can put in a, a debit card, push the button to get started, use the keypad over here to, again, put in your phone number, your authentication code. But again, I, I'm not going to caution you. I, I am going to caution you. When you're staring at this screen, there is already already regulatory pop-up windows that come up in order to protect you. It'll say, are you sure you want to buy Bitcoin? Um, yes. Has anybody contacted you to buy it for them? Like, are you, are you doing this of your own free will? Why? Because people are losing their money when some other cyber hacker has convinced you that, okay, let me just take a step back. Have you heard about those scams where 
It's an elderly person gets a phone call and it sounds like their granddaughter or grandson saying, hey, grandma, I got arrested and I'm stuck in Arizona or I'm stuck in Mexico. And my gosh, I, if I call my mom and dad for bail, I'm going to get in huge trouble. So could you send me money? Well, sure. Grandson or granddaughter, how do I do that? Well, you just need your phone and go over to the Bitcoin machine and send it to this address, right? I know it sounds crazy that people would actually do that, but millions and millions and millions of dollars are lost through these phone scams. When I was at Athena, um, they have a, a compliance officer that's checking every single transaction, the photograph, like there's a camera in that up that top part of the border. Up here is a camera that takes your picture and it compares it with your ID. And there's this guy, you know, with a hoodie, like over his eyebrows. And, you know, we had the, the compliance officer had to send like a message to the phone saying, could you please remove your hood? Well, it ends up that it, someone stole the identity of a doctor and was buying like $12,000 of Bitcoin using, using their card. So, you know, this is real stuff, this cyber, cyber crime. <clears throat> I'm just saying, I prefer if your first experience was not with the Bitcoin ATM, but you're nervous. You're just clicking yes. You're, you know, I mean, it's just, it's better off if you don't, if you don't do it that way. And then the third way to buy Bitcoin is through exchange traded funds. This is using it for the comfort and access of using your smartphone. It's available at TD, Ameritrade, Fidelity, Schwab, any one of the big brokerage firms, interactive brokers. It's a very lower cost way of investing in Bitcoin, like a lot like an index fund. It has lower fees. It, you can tax defer your gains if you buy it in, a, uh, in a, an IRA account, but you do have limited choices. In other words, there are exchange funds available at your investment company where your IRA is or your 401k, and you can buy Bitcoin using an exchange traded fund. And so the ones that I've been using, and there's many more, and again, please, if you have any questions about uh, if you're getting lost in which ones to buy, contact me. You can get my information from Jesse. So right now, Invesco is a big company that has a lot of very popular exchange-traded funds. And their Bitcoin ETF, the symbol is BITO, B-I-T-O. And what that does is it buys futures contracts at the Chicago Mercantile. You don't own cash, physical Bitcoin like the other two examples, which is what I'll call. I'm going to say you're kind of you're holding that like self-sovereign in a way. It isn't 100% accurate, but it's for the purposes of this presentation, it is. So when you buy Bitcoin in your IRA, your 401k, you don't really own it, just like you don't really own your Vanguard fund or your Fidelity stocks. You don't own any of that stuff. It's just a database that records your transaction that you did. The company that you bought it from, Vanguard, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Fidelity, Schwab, TD, like whatever, they take those shares and they lend them out and they earn money on them or they lend them to pension plans. It's called rehypothecation or the stock lending department. This is a huge back office infrastructure at every broker dealer, you know, LPL, Mass Mutual, you name it, everyone has got um, a, a stock lending department. You know, annuity companies are, all, I'm not gonna say notorious for doing this, but I think they were the ones that might've started it. And that is you can, you can monetize your holdings that you're not going to touch for the next 25 years by pretending that it shows you what your balance is, but they're actually lending it out to somebody else. Uh, it's legal. It's ethical. Um, I'm not saying it's morally right, but it's the way it is, right? Especially in a zero interest rate world, we needed to borrow money and 
You know what? That's 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 for the second class in 2024, Jesse. We can talk about how stocks and uh, exchange companies actually operate. It's like the dirty little secret. And the Grayscale Bitcoin Investment and Trust. I like GBTC for a number of reasons. One is it's trading at a huge discount. So if if they win their lawsuit against the SEC, you're going to immediately almost double your investment. But there comes with risk with that. If they lose the lawsuit against the SEC, it could go lower and you could lose your total investment. But I don't really think that's going to happen, and I'll tell you why. There's a there's a disparity between the price of GBTC, the trust fund, and the, where the shares are and the price of Bitcoin. If they decide to liquidate the whole thing, they liquidate the entire company, the SEC finds them, judges will go against them. Those two things are going to have to converge. They're going to have to do something to liquidate that Bitcoin position. They don't get to keep that. It's in a trust account with your name on it, basically. So it's going to be ugly. But the truth is, even in a worst case scenario, I think the spread between Grayscale and the price of Bitcoin will narrow. And that will that that's, would be what's called an arbitrage opportunity, where you can buy and sell something of similar products and make a profit. So the Grayscale Bitcoin Investment and Trust is one of my favorites. It's trading at a huge discount compared to the futures contract with Invesco. But just so you know, there is pending uh, pending lawsuit with the SEC. And that, my friends, concludes the presentation on how to buy Bitcoin. Now, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. And we can, you know, we can hit the back button, back, back button here and go through anything. Any questions, comments, concerns? Things you didn't understand. I went too fast. I went too slow. Come on, guys. Somebody asked me one question. Now, I know that you guys filled up the chat room this afternoon. I thought it was great, and I love the engagement. Um, good. Okay, good. So, good. Just get started. Okay, so here's one quick story, guys. Was I, When I was on the trading floor, we have a phrase called paralysis by analysis. And when you're in the trading pit, and there's people shouting, and it's, it's crazy intensive, and you're emotional, and you're scared to open up your mouth for the very first time because you're going to sound like a crazy... Kid, you're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to be embarrassed and no one's going to want to trade with you. So what we would do is we would tell the, the, the new trader, just do one. Just do one. Buy $10 of Bitcoin. If you mess it up, all you lose is 10 bucks. But get started. Don't think you've got to buy one Bitcoin for 28000 You can buy $10 of Bitcoin, $5 of Bitcoin, $1 of Bitcoin. That's the beauty of Bitcoin is that you can, you can buy any amount. And it doesn't matter how much you buy, like an ATM machine. Like when you buy $100 million of Bitcoin, the fee is still the same, like $2 or, or $2 billion or $10 billion of Bitcoin. It doesn't matter because it's a network effect. Okay, Michael, I'm sorry. Well, Greg had a question. Any tips and tricks on when to buy? Bitcoin has such crazy volatility. Yes, it does. Um, boy, that's a great question. I look at a few things. I look at the 10-week moving average. So I use just basic technical analysis tools. Also, as an investment advisor and a former floor trader, I'm a contrarian. Like I, so I, I, I'm, I live my life from the inside of the organism outside. So from the trading floor out to asset management. So I'm more of a contrarian. When the news is bad and Bitcoin is crazy, that's when I like to buy it. If it's really doing great and there's FOMO and everybody loves it, that's when you might want to sell a little bit. So Greg, the worse the news, the better. 
when, when buying Bitcoin, but get started. Um, and Michelle had a question. Oh, I may have questions later after I create an account. I will reach out to Jesse for your contact information. Excellent. Michelle, anytime, contact me. We can do a Zoom call. I can answer email, uh, whatever helps facilitate anything you guys uh, to get started. So that's it. Jesse, thank you so much for inviting me again. This concludes our fourth uh, episode, uh, webinar, seminar, and it was just really great to meet everybody, even virtually.